0: Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans We got a great show for you today As always, we are live every single day at noon eastern If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today is a big old Wednesday. The schedule, the official schedule is uh, to be released tonight, but we've got some kind of trickle, little leaks, little information. So we can kind of go over that a little bit today on the show. We'll probably go a little bit more in depth tomorrow once it you know officially releases. I believe there is a release show today at 8 o'clock. Um, so <clears throat> we'll probably talk a little bit more about it tomorrow, but we still will be talking about uh, what we know already uh, today on the show. Uh, we're going to try to be fit- fitting in the NFC North today with our NFL draft grades, the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions. I mean, we've got three more divisions to go through, so hopefully we can kind of get those done for the rest of the week. Breaking down the NBA from last night, I mean, it's crunch time, baby, and players and teams are stepping up. I mean, the Heat last night jumping all the way from the 6th seed to the 4th seed, very well done. The Knicks in a close loss against the Lakers last night, gosh darn. We took them plus 5.5, though, so bingo, bingo, we got that. Um, we actually did real good in our uh, moneymaker. We can start with that really quickly. Um, the only one that we missed on was... Um The Bulls plus four and a half just because we were kind of, you know, betting on them to step it up a little bit. Um, And then they didn't. So, unfortunate for them, they are now officially done. I don't know if it's mathematically officially done, but folks, it's officially done. They're like three games back. Um, So, unfortunate for the Bulls lost last night. We also took the 76ers minus five and a half. Unfortunately, we thought Joel Embiid was going to play. He was a game-time decision when we were talking about it. Um, And then he did not play but um, Knicks plus five and a half Warriors plus five heats minus one and a half bingo bingo all looking great last night so we'll try to do the same today in our moneymaker but let's get into the stories of the day because there are a lot to go over so let's start here we're not going to go big into Tim Tebow again today folks all right but there is one more thing we have to talk about because it just came out yesterday So, um, Urban Meyer was doing a podcast with, I believe, Chris Collinsworth, and we got a little bit more insight onto this Tim Tebow whole thing, and it still doesn't make any sense to me. What the heck is going on? So, uh, Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer says Tim Tebow was in, quote, incredible shape and a, quote, competitive maniac in his workouts for the team. Okay. Okay. He's in good shape. He's still undersized. So what? why do I care if he's in good shape? He's still not as good as Travis Kelsey in just kind of his build. Folks, we're talking about like four inches difference. Four inch separation between, you know, what a good competitive tight end that's going to have success in this league. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, De'Aaron Waller, and now uh, Kyle Pitts coming out. So, He's still not anywhere close to those type of heights and um, just kind of, you know, build types, body types. But um, Urban Meyer, more quotes here, and it's still real ridiculous. I still don't understand, so let's talk about the quote now. Uh, Here's Urban Meyer quote. We have not signed Tim. There's a thought going around. He was in the best shape of his life. Asked to see if he could, co- if he could work out with a couple of our coaches. I wasn't even there, and this is a huge point. Like, why, why did Tim Tebow think about the Jags? Why is it the Jags? Like, we know that Urban Meyer was the head coach of that Florida Gators team that Tim Tebow was a part of, so he has history with Tim Tebow. But if he's saying that, hey, I wasn't even there during these workouts, then why is Tim Tebow in the locker room? Who else is he contacting? How did he get these workouts nine years removed and now he's in the best shape of his life at 33? You couldn't get into the best shape of your life when you were actually a starter in this league. So I'm still not buying it. I think if it's publicity, like I said, then I, I don't respect it. I don't respect this as publicity. This is not good publicity, folks. I mean, just having this story out there this is just sending a message to your locker room of hey we'll take anybody it doesn't matter what you have done in this league it's about your brand and if you have a good brand then yeah we'll give everybody a shot but you know everybody that works hard and you know the unsung heroes the unnamed heroes I mean folks we don't even know uh, like half of the NFL players just names I mean you can't even name half of the NFL players in this league yes we all know the big names the you know the stars and that's why they're stars because everybody knows their name but folks the 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 average career in the NFL is three seasons. Uh, We get spoiled with Tom Brady's and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson's and all the Drew Brees and Big Ben playing, you know, 15, 10, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, so we the fact that, you know, Urban Meyer is just coming in, never has been a head coach in this NFL system. And is now looking back to, you know, what what he worked with in college, you know, more than nine years removed. We're talking about 10, 11, 12 years removed uh, from, you know, when they were. We're working together it's just real bizarre man so the fact that urban meyer saying that hey and he made it a point like i i, I watched the interview with um chris collinsworth and he was putting extreme emphasis on i wasn't even there oh 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 Okay, why weren't you there in the first place? You're not judging your own talent that you want to bring in. So it's, I just don't get, I truly don't understand what's going on. I can't tell, I think it's real. It's got to be real that Tim, that they're maybe thinking about signing Tim Tebow. I don't think it's just a fake narrative, but. The fact that Urban Meyer is going above and beyond to really kind of be like, "Hey, I wasn't even there during those workouts, so I don't even know." It's like, okay, well, that tells you that you're a bad head coach because you're not judging your own talent. And now we think you're lying because why? Who else got you know Tim Tebow's foot in the door? If you weren't there for the work, it just doesn't make sense. But let's keep going with the quote here. Um, I wasn't even there. They came back to me and said, "Wow, this guy's in incredible shape." So he, you know, he's delegating this kind of judgment process to his other coaches, and then they come back and buy. wow, he's in incredible shape, okay, but he never worked in the NFL, he already had his chance, so who cares if he's nine years removed and now he's in great shape, is that going to matter, how does he, doesn't work in game, in game, it doesn't get it done, so that's why he was fooling everybody, that's why he was able to get to the Jets and, you know, work out for the Patriots, he's, he's fooling everybody out here, but he can't make the starting roster, so okay, he's in incredible shape, I'm sure that neck is more toned than ever, but. Um, then I went, uh, another time and watched them try out and they said, go, go work on these things. He comes back later. They try him out again. I'm not there. Once again, I'm not there. Once again, he puts emphasis on, Hey, I'm not even there watching this guy. Uh, So it's, it's (sighs) folks. I truly don't get what's going on, but I'm not there. They come in and they say, wow, this guy is. This guy's ball skills. He's a great athlete. He looks like he's 18 years old, not 20, whatever he is, 33. Yes, he's not even close to 20. So Urban Meyer even throwing the, hey, he doesn't even look like he's 20. Well, that's because he's 33, Urban. So maybe you should, you know, research your own players that you may be bringing into your own football team. I said, guys, you don't understand. Now this guy is. He's the most competitive maniac you're ever going to talk to, and let's give it a shot. So... Uh, you know, Urban Meyer is delegating. You know, his other coaches to, to watch Tim Tebow work out. Those coaches are saying that he's in the best shape of his life. His life, he's in incredible shape. He's got great ball skills. Apparently, I mean, he he couldn't even throw the ball, but now he's somehow developed great catching ball skills and all that. So, uh, Urban Meyer, man, I don't know what he's trying to do with this Tim Tebow thing. He's trying to distance himself from it, but also try to sign him. I mean, he, he's going on to be like, hey, he's in the best shape of his life. He can catch the ball. He can do all this. But I wasn't there for the workout. So, don't uh, – you're not going to take me down on this. If he doesn't pan out, you're not going to blame this on me because I wasn't even there. So, we see Urban Meyer distan- distancing himself from the situation, which is real bizarre. I mean, this, this should be – Uh, Urban Meyer should should have been the one that's kind of endorsing him backing him up be like hey I saw it with my own eyes he was good and I liked it but he's distancing himself so what does that tell us? Uh, so we can move off of this Tim Tebow topic. It's real frustrating to talk about just because he's going to be absolute garbage, folks. He was a garbage quarterback. He will be a garbage tight end. I I don't see how you think this man is going to work in this league. I don't get it. Um, but the last note I do want to t- the last note I want to leave off of this, and it is kind of interesting to think about. So Urban Meyer coached Tim Tebow in Florida like ten years ago, twelve years ago. Now Urban Meyer gets a chance in the NFL, and who does he call? Tim Tebow. I mean, that this that's 10 years of this man not even being in the league, not even being a tight end, but Urban Meyer kind of wants somebody in the locker room that he's kind of familiar with, so he calls Tim Tebow. What did Robert Sala do? He hasn't even called Richard Sherman, and Richard Sherman's still in the league and still you know playing at you know a high enough level to be successful in this league, not Tim Tebow nine years removed, and Robert Sala's not even picking up the phone for Richard Sherman. So that's a little interesting. Maybe Richard Sherman is Truly falling off. Maybe Robert Sala truly doesn't believe in Richard Sherman. So that's just a little interesting thought. Since we've been keeping tabs on Richard Sherman in that Robert Sala kind of saga. It's really interesting that now Urban Meyer is going to Tim Tebow. 12 years removed from their relationship. And uh, Richard Sherman can't even get a call by the big old Sala there in New York. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. It seems like he's going to get signed. But we get Urban Meyer trying to distance himself from Tim Tebow. I don't know what that means, but we'll see. All righty. As we just said at the top of the show, the NFL schedule is starting to leak out a little bit. The official reveal show is tonight at 8 o'clock. But uh, we know London games are returning, you know, hopefully, you know, all the COVID travel restrictions don't hinder it. I'm sure that's going to be a big proponent of this, but let's not get into that. But uh, London games are back in 2021 and man, oh man, the NFL is running these new head coaches through the gauntlet. The four teams playing in London this year are the Jets, new head coach, new rookie quarterback, Robert Sala. Good luck going over to London and getting everything in order. We just heard the other day that Robert Sala didn't even know he was head coach during pre So you're going to have to get your team right um, when they have to go across the country to a new country, a new time zone. So that's going to be a huge kind of weight on on, um, Robert Saleh year one. The Atlanta Falcons, that's who the Jets are facing. So Atlanta's going overseas. Once again, a new head coach having to kind of tackle on this kind of huge Burden this is a burden folks any head coach would tell you going overseas, you, you know forget about you know having a road game we're, we're in a different country here So getting your players right getting the staff right getting everything in order trying to maintain that hey This is just a normal week. It's gonna be tough for these new head coaches So the new head coach of the Jets the Falcons and the Jags Urban Meyer Tim Tebow Get ready to go to London, baby. So Jacksonville Jaguars face the Dolphins also in London Robert or Brian Flores, he's like, I'm, i I've been a head coach. I, I'm the only non rookie head coach here. We're gonna go get it done over the season in London. So, uh, the NFL is putting these new rookie head coaches through the gauntlet. Urban Meyer, the uh, Robert. I forget. Who, does Atlanta even have a head coach yet? Who'd they fill that position with? Um, Arthur Smith. Is that right? When was this? February 18th? I think I missed that. (laughs) I think I missed that. Um, So, all righty. Arthur Smith, good luck. You're going to be running through the gauntlet as well over in London. So, um, those are the London games, folks. Jets, Falcons, October 10th, and Dolphins, Jags, October 17th, back-to-back weeks with that London game. 2.30 p.m., so a little unfortunate there. We don't get, uh, uh, unless that's local time. That may be local time because usually we get it in the morning, right? So we'll see, uh, but uh, two two London games should be interesting, I guess. I don't like going over to London. I really wish the Dolphins weren't, but uh, unfortunate. We gotta live. We gotta live with the schedule. So uh, good luck, new head co- head coaches in this league. Not making it easy on them year one. Alrighty, and here is the official week one schedule in the NFL. The first game tipping off the season is the Cowboys and the Bucks Thursday night football, Cowboys in Tampa Bay. Huge game for both teams. Obviously, you know, um, Dak Prescott's first game back with the Cowboys and, you know, the Bre- uh, the defending Super Bowl champions at their home stadium that they've been in for their last two games. You know, they were in the home stadium for the Super Bowl. Now they're home week one. Uh, so making it a little bit easier for Tom Brady out the gate. And man, oh man, that defense, Dak Prescott going against that defense that we just saw that the Bucks brought all 22 starters back, offense and defense. So Dak Prescott, that ankle, you better hope it's real ready to go because that, uh, you know, Vita Vey and... I mean, Sue and JPP, they're coming for that ankle again. So uh, not a real great week one competition, especially for the, you know, the dysfunction offensively, defensively for that Cowboys team. We are going to talk about the Cowboys a, a little bit more in a, in another story, but not looking good for the Cowboys week one. And then here we go. The Sunday slate Vikings Bengals. Steelers Bills, that's going to be a great one. Steelers Bills, you know, hard schedule here for the Steelers. We're going to talk about that as well. They have the hardest schedule this season, and it gets right out of the gate with the Bills. So, Big Ben, you better hope that arm is ready week one. Seahawks Colts, ooh, another great matchup. We've got high expectations for this Colts team week one. They're at home, but have to, you know, face Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, who, you know, Russell Wilson. Talking out in this offseason, not wanting to get hit. And we'll see if they kind of, you know, uh, you know, came together, got everything fixed out, squashed all the beef. So Seahawks, Colts, Browns, Chiefs, rematch of the playoffs that the Browns almost won. So that's gonna be great. Get a nice gauge on if the Browns are really gonna be true contenders this year or if they were just pretenders last year. I don't think they were pretenders. I ha- I have full confidence in the Browns this year. Eagles-Falcons, huge game really for both teams. Eagles kind of get a nice kind of win out of the gate with the with the second-year quarterback Jalen Hurts. And the Falcons, I mean, hey, they've got offensive weapons all on deck. New rookie head coach, can Matt Ryan finally get it done this season? Kind of return back to 10-plus wins. So real kind of interesting matchup week one for both of those kind of emerging, struggling last-year teams. Then we get the Broncos and the Giants, a great first game for this Giants team. They've made so much improvements from last season in this offseason, really get all their pieces offensively back, and now a little bit of easy competition right out of the gate with that, you know, quarterback controversy over there in Denver with either Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. So I love that the Giants are getting, you know, a little eased into the season here. Hopefully they can take advantage. 49ers and Lions, I mean, man, oh, man, easy game for Trey Lance if he starts week one with this Lions team. And, uh, you know, for the Lions, Dan Campbell, Jared Goff going against this 49ers defense, and maybe Jimmy Grapp, probably Jimmy Grapp plays week one. Um, But, I mean, Dan Campbell's going to get right into it, right into the thick of it, a huge game against the 49ers week one. Then we get Jets and Panthers, man, oh, man, the trade, Sammy D, Sammy D to the Panthers, and now – I you know the Jets moved on, so let's see if Sam Darnold can step it up. Great rivalry week one there. Dolphins Patriots always a rivalry there. Brian Flores versus his uh disciple of Bill Belichick. We'll see how that plays out. Packers Saints two you know great teams going together but now the Saints without Drew Brees so we'll see you know who's winning that week one starting job for the Saints at the quarterback position but have a real kind of tough opponent the Packers I mean we've heard all about this Aaron Rodgers he's going to be fired up and ready to go week one um, not just of all the controversies in this offseason but just of how he lost last year um, you know losing against Tom Brady so in the NFC championship game so Packers Saints is going to be a great one Jaguars Texans, I mean really easing in Trevor Lawrence here against this Texans team. We still have we haven't even heard anything on Deshaun Watson for like the last month, I don't think. We haven't heard any real news about that situation. So, who knows what the Texans are doing there week 1. Cardinals, Titans, two great emerging teams, two teams that really are, you know, playoff or bust potential this season. So, we'll see if the newly upgraded Cardinals defense and offense can get it done in this new kind of reworked Titans team of just heavy defense and run game. Let's see if they can get it done. Then Chargers at Washington. Uh, you know, pretty solid game here. Rooting for, you know, Justin Herbert to even get even better than last season, which I don't even know how that's going to be possible, but we'll see. And then Washington obviously winning the uh, winning the uh, NFC East last season. And we'll see if Ron Rivera and Terry McClure— or, um, Taylor Heineke or um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll see how that's working out. But a solid game there. And then Bears-Rams Sunday night football. Bears with Justin Fields. I'm assuming he's starting week one in the Rams with their newly acquired um, Matt Stafford that they're believing a 1,000% in and believe that he's so much better than Jared Goff. And that that's all they were missing. They just needed the quarterback. So that's going to be a great game Sunday night football. We've got two head coaches there with the Bears and the Rams. Matt Nagy and Sean McVay both really having to prove themselves this season Matt Nagy couldn't get the quarterback right and Sean McVay it, you know he never he didn't he inherited Jared Goff he didn't draft him so he's like hey now I'm finally getting my guy so uh Bears Rams Sunday night football going to be absolutely amazing and then the Monday night game is the Ravens at the Raiders Raiders I mean got off to great starts. Ravens can't really get in can't get it done in the playoffs. So we'll see something's got to give. So a huge great week 1 schedule. I cannot wait. The countdown is on, folks. All right, and then this, uh, the return of Tom Brady to Foxborough, baby. Tom Brady will visit Foxborough to face Bill Belichick and the Patriots in week four. So another huge coveted matchup to watch out for. Brady gets his revenge, or does Bill Belichick play a little spoiler? We'll see what happens there. But uh, great storylines going into the season. A lot of great storylines week one, and that's just week one, folks. We got an extra week this year, extra game, looking great righty, and now we have the hardest to easiest schedule here. Um I think we talked about this maybe a couple of months ago, but you know, we I can always bring it up again here. <clears throat> So the Pittsburgh Steelers have the toughest schedule. And like we say, this is going to be real tough for them. Najee Harris is really going to have to pull his weight as a rookie running back because we just saw Big Ben, Big Ben's arm just kind of really start to deplete as the season went on. And now he has to go and face the hardest schedule this season. Big Ben, that arm, man, it's going to take a real big... throughout this season. So not looking good for the Steelers here. Running game and the defense is really going to have to be on point for the entire season. Not like last year where the running game could not do anything and the defense just kind of floundered at the back end of the season because they were really just kind of being, uh, you know, just kind of, Leaned on all season. I mean, they, they are in the at least in the back half where Big Ben couldn't throw the ball, and you know he's going three and out and not moving the ball. Bad field possession, f- field position for the defense there out on the field for the Steelers. So, Steelers at the hardest schedule. Not good. Then we get Baltimore at the second-hardest schedule. Once again, not great for them either. New offensive coordinator trying to kind of stretch the field vertically. Now they lost one. You know they lost Mark Ingram at the running back position, so they're really only going to have two good running backs now, so we'll see how that plays out, but Baltimore schedules hard. Chicago with the third-hardest schedule. Matt Nagy has to make Justin Fields work week one, and it's not going to be easy for him having the third-hardest schedule. Then we get the Packers at four. The Vikings at five. Once again, this Vikings team. Hey, Kirk Cousins gotta step up to the plate sometime. You don't translate to wins. Your best winning season was like nine 10 and ten and uh ten and six, and then like nine and sevens a second, then eight and eight. So gotta step it up big time here for this uh Vikings team. Then we get Cincinnati and Detroit tied for six. Not great for them. Emerging young teams at the quarterback position, at the head coach position for both those teams. All right, Raiders number eight, Cleveland number nine, Rams number ten. And then let's go to the bottom, kind of, you know, 10 here. Starting, We'll start at 22. Saints at the 22nd, easiest ranked schedule there. So going to be, you know, easy for the transition of either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Buffalo at 23rd, hardest schedule. I mean, man, oh man, making it even easier for Josh Allen to get maybe. Will Josh Allen set the career of uh, passing percentage? Let's get, what is the highest career passing percentage? passing completion percentage in NFL history. I want to say it may be Drew Brees with like 72%, but let's see what we get. Because Josh Allen, I mean, we just saw the leap 69% last season. So it is Drew Brees has the first three highest here of NFL's highest season completion percentage. Number one. Drew Brees at 74.4. Then Drew Brees at 2 with 74.3. And then Drew Brees at 72%. And then Sam Bradford, number 4, at 71%. So, this is going to be a huge season for completion percentage. We saw Aaron Rodgers just hit 70% last season. We saw... We saw... Um. Aaron Rod- Yeah, right here. Aaron Rodgers is now number 6 in uh in the sixth best completion percentage for an entire season at 70.7. So we just saw that get big last season. Josh Allen was at 69. Where's Josh Allen at now? Josh Allen, he's now number 25, folks. How crazy is that? Josh Allen is the 25th most complete of a season passer there at 69.2%. So we'll see if he's able to kind of get to 70, 71, 74. Can he break the record? Easy schedule here for him. So potentially. All right, Indianapolis, the Colts with the 23rd hardest schedule here. Easy for them. They've already got the infrastructure there, so they really should have success this season. No excuses here for the Colts, folks. Giants at the 25th hardest schedule. Fantastic for them. Easing in Daniel Jones a year three. Easing um, Jason Garrett into the second year of the offensive coordinator position and easing in Saquon Barkley back in from his injury last year. Fantastic. Carolina Panthers, hey, working out for Matt Rule here, getting a new quarterback for Sam Darnold and having a really easy schedule here. Denver and Miami both tied for the 27th hardest schedule, both great for these teams. Teddy Bridgewater potentially getting in the starting lineup there at the quarterback position for Denver. And then the Dolphins, hey, we just needed a wide receiver, and we got one. So we should be fine this season with this easy schedule. Then how lame is this? Tampa Bay, 29th hardest schedule. Womp, womp. They, we know they're going to repeat as champions. Easy peasy. Atlanta with the 30th hardest schedule there. Great for them. Matt Ryan in that absolutely loaded offensive roster, um, at least with the wide receivers. They are kind of lackluster at the running back position. Dallas and Philadelphia at 31 and 32 for hard for easiest schedule. Philadelphia with the easiest schedule this season. Um, we don't like their new head coach, so you know it, he really should at least be winning at least at least six games this year if you're having the easy, easiest schedule. And then Dallas at number 31. Well done for Mike McCarthy. Hopefully, you know he can finally get it done this season. Get back to you know maybe some of those glory years with the. Packers, you know, he did go to four NFC Championship games with the Pack- with the Packers, so I got to give him a little bit more respect than we, what we have been giving Mike McCarthy, not too much, he still has to prove a lot this season, but maybe let's, uh, we'll we'll start to tamper down the Mike McCarthy slander a little bit, maybe, depending on who we're feeling, but uh, they have a nice easy schedule here, so no excuses here for Mike McCarthy this year. Alrighty, let's move on off the schedule for today. Go to some Aaron Rodgers news. There's a rumor going around that the Packers have made Aaron Rodgers a significant long-term offer. But we've been hearing that, hey, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. He's got the money. He's endorsed by State Farm. He's got the money. The money isn't the issue. He wants the respect. He wants the recognition. To quote Drake, if I got it, then tell me I got it then. Come on. I Give me the recognition. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Uh, so, We'll see if he takes this contract. We'll even see if this rumor's right. I mean, I don't even know what story is true anymore about Aaron Rodgers. We're getting like kind of all these news, and some of them are turning out to be fake on the daily basis. So uh, we don't even know if this is a true story or not. But we'll see if he ends up signing a a, a groundbreaking breaking deal that you know maybe rivals Patrick Mahomes' $500 million deal. So we'll see what that's going to be all about. Uh, But, hey, I mean, we do get another rumor as well that Jay Gruden will, quote, do anything to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So we get Aaron Rodgers facing this money, Aaron Rodgers wanting to leave, and now this uh, report that uh, the Raiders will do anything, John Gruden will do anything. And it's not the most concrete rumor. It's really nothing based in this rumor here. Uh, What they basically just kind of point out is, that um Aaron Rodgers said he w- he would be intrigued by the idea of playing for the Raiders that's it and then Mike um Mike Greeny on ESPN says that basically just says that John Gruden will do anything because John Gruden always looks for everything he doesn't turn down any offer or something like that so not a really huge really um backed up rumor here just a couple of words so once again you have to be careful of all this Aaron Rodgers news it's a lot of clickbaity out here but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. I don't see the Raiders moving off of Derek Carr. It really seems like they like him. But at the end of the day, it's Aaron Rodgers. And I'm sure any team will do whatever it takes to get Aaron Rodgers to their organization. I don't really believe in all that just because I don't love the attitude. I, You know, we're hearing all these, you know, Aaron Rodgers stories. It, folks, it's every single year, folks. We we talk about the same Aaron Rodgers stuff every single year. So I don't want that to my organization. I don't want that distraction there. Um, and plus, he doesn't get it done in the biggest games, in the NFC Championship games. I mean. Uh, I'll take my chances with another quarterback, honestly. So, um, yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers' news for today. (laughs) Potentially getting money, potentially getting traded to the Raiders. Classic, you know, classic Aaron Rodgers rumors out here. Alrighty, let's talk about the Falcons now. We got a couple of stories about them. So, the Falcons running back coach, Kitchings, planning on open uh, open running back competition for the starting job. And, of course, I mean, they, they don't have... Todd Gurley anymore, truly unfortunate. I mean, the running backs are Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. Mike Davis from the Panthers last year filling in for Christian McCaffrey, and he did all right. Nothing great. 600 yards last season rushing. Obviously, nowhere close to what Christian McCaffrey does. And, you know, once again, you know, a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater struggles last season was, you know, the running game. Really kind of non-existent all season, so... Uh, Mike Davis and in Cordell Patterson so we got Mike Davis who ran for 600 yards last season and then Cordero Patterson who's never really been anything great at running back I mean I think we've looked at his career stats and the most he's ever ran for a season was like 300 yards it's just nothing good so of course there's gonna be open court open running back competition here in Atlanta because there's no good ones <laughs> there's no good running backs that you have so we'll see who wins the starting job there I'm sure it's probably gonna be Mike Davis but we'll see Alrighty, and this is an ex Falcon story here. And I forgot that the Cowboys hired Dan Quinn as their new defensive coordinator, and that's not good, folks. Dan Quinn cannot coach defense. Honestly, folks, he truly cannot coach defense. He was the coach. He was a defensive coordinator for that Legion of Boom days for two years, and that got him the head coach with the with the um, with the Atlanta Falcons. And then ever since then, he's been absolutely garbage. He's been absolutely garbage. So let's just look at what. What he did here. All right, so here we go. He was the head coach for the Falcons from 2015 to just last season, unfortunately he got fired a couple of games in. So, Dan Quinn's defense first year with the Falcons. 14th in points allowed and 16 in yards allowed defensively. So just kind of mediocre there, middle of the road. But then it just gets worse. The Super Bowl season, folks, his defense was ranked 27th in points and 25th in yards. Absolutely trash. The only reason they got to the Super Bowl was their offense, folks. Number one in yards offensively and number one in points offensively and number two in yards. So the offense really carrying them in the Super Bowl. And then obviously the, you know, the big kind of... Come back because Tom Brady was able to kind of pick apart that Falcons defense. So Dan Quinn, once again, not getting it done defensively. Then the year after that, they have a good defensive year, but then they lose in the uh, they lost the um they they just finished 10 and 6 and you know lost the division round of the playoffs. So uh, eighth eighth in points defensively and ninth in yards defensively, which is still good. You know, you're in the top 10. So that is a solid year, but it didn't result to anything spectacular. You couldn't get back to the Super Bowl, and then you just floundered for the last three seasons defensively. 2018, 25th in points, 28th in yards, 2019, 23rd in points, 20th in yards, and then just last season, 19 in points, 29 in yards allowed. So, absolutely couldn't get it done defensively, and when we just kind of look back at what Dan Quaden did his entire season, we or his entire kind of defensive career, it was like that the entire year, his entire career, folks, the only two good years that he had were with the Seahawks, and they had a, st- a stacked defense, folks, that's all it was, 20 20- Thirteen with the Seahawks, number one in points um points defensively and number one in yards allowed. So absolutely fantastic there. And then in 2014, ran it back with the Legion of Boom. Once again, number one ranked in points and yards defensively, so absolutely fantastic there, but they have absolutely great starting rosters there defensively. They have Cliff Averill. They had um, Michael Bennett. They had Richard Sherman. They had Cam Chancellor, so they had all these great... They, they were the Legion of Boom, folks. We don't give away kind of nicknames for defenses willy-nilly, folks. You have to go and earn it, and they did that back-to-back year, so we can't really put too much of that legion of boom success over to uh um what's his name whoa whoa, whoa, um i'm blanking on the coach's name now why do we do that uh dan dan quinn can't really place it all on them i mean just an absolute stacked roster. Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Brian Maxwell, KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, Bruce Irvin, Cliff Averill, folks. I mean, this is a stacked defense, and they all got it done. And then after this, those Seahawks days he goes to the Atlanta Falcons and can't really do anything there. So, you know, not really good looking here for this Cowboys team, especially since their defense was trash last season, especially since they basically spent their entire draft filling in defense, so they're not going to have any proven talent, and that's the only way that Dan Quinn has really worked as a defensive coordinator in this league is having exceptional multiple exceptional talent pieces defensively, and he doesn't have here he doesn't have that here with the Cowboys. Absolutely not. So let's see what Dan Quinn was saying here. We get a couple of quotes of him in the article. But uh, here we go. Getting fired after an 0-5 start afforded Quinn time to contemplate his coaching style and scheme without sitting out a hiring cycle. The new defensive coordinator for the Cowboys said that he immersed himself in a self-examination. Quote, I wanted to do as big an after action on my own self to make sure what I could learn from things that went well and things that didn't go well. So I wanted to kind of do a 360 on the whole process first, the scheme side. So Dan Quinn wants to kind of self-reflect and be like, gosh, damn, if I don't have good corners or linebackers or safeties or defensive ends or defensive linemen, I'm not going to get it done here. I um, mean, they don't have any good pieces. So I'm kind of screwed. So. Yeah, the Cowboys, man, you know they've got Mike McCarthy as their head coach. They've got Dan Quinn as their defense coordinator. I mean, none of these, none of these coaches here have done anything besides having talent on their roster, folks. Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers under, underperformed by only getting the one Super Bowl, and Dan Quinn can't make it work as a defense coordinator if he does not have a complete stacked defensive team. So. Dan Quinn with the Cowboys. I totally forgot about it, and it's totally not good. And now this Cowboys team is going to be even worse than we imagined they would be. And there's no way they're winning the NFC East now. No way. No way. All righty. Back to the Falcons here. Falcons quarterback coach says that Matt Ryan is still performing at a high level. And we really have to, you know, look in and admire. Matt Ryan's kind of career stats because they're honestly very, very good, folks. He's always at, you know, 44,000, 4,500 yards in between that range, always getting it done yards-wise. I mean, folks, he's thrown for 4,000-plus yards for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 consecutive seasons of 4,000-plus yards. That's absolutely fantastic, folks. It's magnificent. Never broken 5,000, unfortunately got very close in 2016 with 4,900 yards, which is fantastic. Always has two to one at least two to one touchdown and interception ratio, putting up the touchdowns 26, 26, 35, 20, 38, 21, 28, 26, 32, 29, 28. So getting it done with the touchdowns. His completion percentage is always exactly where we want it in kind of better. 65 last season, 66, 69, 64, 69, 66, 66, 67, 68. So he's always getting it done. It's just unfortunately it hasn't always been translating to wins these last couple of seasons. 2018, they went Seven and nine. Twenty nineteen, they went seven and eight. And just last year, they went four and twelve. But, you know, we can kind of, you know, put that up to Dan Quinn not getting it done. A defensive minded head coach with a great offensive system. It doesn't work out. So, We really kind of have to kind of reevaluate Matt Ryan here. We were kind of dogging him a lot last season saying that he couldn't get it done, but these stats prove that he can get it done. And these are championship level stats, folks. These are great winnable game stats, deep playoff run stats. So got to give Matt Ryan a little bit of the benefit of the doubt coming into the season. They've got absolutely stacked offensive roster with the new head coach. We'll see what he's able to do with that defense as well. Hopefully the defense can step up because Matt, Ryan statistically is getting it done out the out on the field. So not turning the ball over. Great completion percentage. Great yards. Great touchdowns. Unfortunately, not translating to win. So we'll see if the new kind of the new head coach look here, the new regime there in Atlanta can get it done. Cause obviously Dan Quinn definitely cannot. All let's move on to this one. The Dolphins are kind of doubling down on their second first round pick at number 18, picking the defensive end, Jalen Phillips. We didn't like it. We had to shave half of our beard because of it. We wanted them to get a running back of Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. They didn't do that, and now they're kind of doubling down on their decision to pick up this defensive end. So, quote here by Todd Stroud. Saying that I would say in my 36 years of coaching, what he put on tape last year is the best effort guy I've seen in college football. So they're really high on this man. They're, you know, they're, they were big on this man. They're saying that he's the best effort guy that they've ever seen in college over 36 years, folks, 36 years. So um, they think they've got their guy. Hopefully he pans out. You have to have a pass rusher in this league. That's why Patrick Mahomes lost the Super Bowl. So definitely that's a huge, huge piece to a football team of a successful football team. Quarterback, wide receiver, head coach, defensive end. Then maybe a corner or a linebacker, but you got to get pressure on those passers, and we'll see what Jalen Phillips does. So, once again, we're going to trust Brian Flores and the entire Dolphins coaching staff, but we wanted the running back. So, only time will tell who's right, takes by fans, or Brian Flores, and we'll see who's who's right this year. But uh, they feel like they've got their guys, so we can't knock it. All righty, speaking of knocking your own guys here, Justin Jefferson was uh, on the the herd once again. Hey, Colin, why don't you come, come look at us? <laughs> but Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, rookie wide receiver that had an absolutely great year. He was kind of calling out and dissing Kirk Cousins a little bit yesterday during this interview. So not the greatest look. And once again, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's not the best quarterback here. Now his own team's kind of speaking out against him. So let's see what he says here. So Justin Jefferson, Colin Coward asked, were you surprised to hear the Vikings were interested in Justin Fields, another quarterback? And Justin Jefferson said said this, no, we have to build on for after Kirk. Well, that doesn't make me feel good if I'm Kirk Cousins here. Hey, you you got to you you have to build for after me. What I'm not in the plans here. I'm not in your plans. Um, having Justin brings a little bit more pressure to other teams by having a dominant quarterback like he is. So we get Justin Jefferson praising a quarterback that's not even on his team that, you know, potentially would have been Kirk Cousins' replacement and saying that he's a dominant quarterback and, you know, kind of dissing Kirk Cousins and, you know, he goes and disses him again. in this quote, Justin Jefferson says that Joe Burrow another quarterback that's not Kirk Cousins he's talking he's talking up Joe Burrow he's talking up Justin Fields while Kirk Cousins he's dissing because he says Justin Jefferson says Burrow has more swag than Cousins Quote here, but the thing about Joe that's a little bit different. I feel like Joe had a little bit more swagger. That was Justin Jefferson on the difference between Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins. So we get Kirk Cousins, a lame duck out there, not doing anything, not you know, not no no swag. You can't have no swag and play football. Looking good, playing good, looking good, feeling good, feeling good, looking good, playing good. Uh, In Kirk Cousins, he does not, he doesn't do that. He's like, all right, this is the play. Y'all ready? All right, we didn't get it. All right, what's the next play? All right, we got three yards. Good job, guys. All right. I missed that throw. All right. We're off the field now. Defense, go get it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> like that. That's Kirk Cousins on the sideline. So that's not really the great here. Huge season here for the Vikings coming up defensively. Yes, but also offensively. There's no reason why this Vikings offense shouldn't be one of the top 10 offenses in the league. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, great wide receivers, deep threat wide receivers, tall, great fast wide receivers uh, that has that have proven themselves. I mean, Justin Jefferson rookie, I think broke a thousand yards last season. Adam Thielen, I believe also had a thousand yards. Dalvin Cook at the running back position. Do they still have Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position or do they move off of him? Regardless, they've got weapons. They've got offensive talented weapons. So we'll see if Kirk Cousins can kind of build up this team a little bit. And we'll see if Justin Jefferson is maybe rubbing some guys in the rock- locker room the wrong way. Alrighty, let's move on to the Panthers now. Teddy Bridgewater says that the Broncos present quote a unique opportunity for me to come in and compete and lead, and I love that. Teddy Bridgewater has just been thrown around this league after that injury. I uh, really thought he did. I thought he did real solid for that first year, folks. Taking everything into account on that Panthers team from last year, where Matt Rule, a rookie head coach, first time in the NFL, uh, no Christian McCaffrey, no really a one-tier one receivers but he went and made them both a thousand yard receivers absolutely fantastic unfortunately like we said it just just didn't translate into wins he really couldn't be clutch at the end of halves to really put up the points but he kept all the games one possession kept them competitive and didn't really turn the ball over too much too much but also didn't have a good touchdown-interception ratio. That's another thing about Teddy Bridgewater is that he doesn't put up the touchdowns, but he gets the yards, he gets you into kind of, you know, scoring territory. That's why we need kind of a Christian McCaffrey, and that's why we wanted to see him back with the Panthers this year to see what he could do with a really great running game. Unfortunately, Matt Rule had, you know, difference of opinions, obviously, than us. Unfortunate. Uh, So he goes to the Broncos now and now hey, it's just him and Drew Locke. They didn't draft the quarterback. They brought no other quarterback in. So it's either going to be Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke and I love Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's odds head to head facing against Drew Locke. So let's see what we get here on Teddy Bridgewater. So odds are Locke. And Bridgewater will be battling out in Mile High City this summer. The latter, who joined the Broncos just two weeks ago, sees what most everyone else does in his new squad. Quote here by Teddy Bridgewater. Quote, it's a talented football team. And it has so many pieces. I'm just glad to be a part of what they're doing around here and what they we're trying to build here. It's great, unique opportunity for me to come in and compete and lead at the same time. I'm just grateful for this opportunity. Once again, humble as heck, trying to get it done, trying to prove himself out here. So, I give so much respect to Teddy Bridgewater. It's not, I, I couldn't imagine it's easy of, you know, being the guy, being the franchise, and then getting injured, and then getting shopped around, and then you think you do good for one year, and then you get shopped again, and now you have to once again prove yourself to a new team, and we're not even sure how they're going to kind of react to him because we saw Matt Rule kind of throw him to the curve last season. So, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm rooting for the Matt. I like Drew Locke. Don't get us wrong. We were big on Drew Locke, but he had his season last season, and I didn't really like what he was doing. I I liked what I saw from Teddy Bridgewater more than what we liked from Drew Locke last season. So, we're rooting for Teddy Bridgewater to be the starting guy, and I really think he has a real good chance of winning the starting job. So, we'll see, obviously, starting, you know, mini camps and, you know, OTAs are going to start happening so we'll see who goes out and wins and who goes out and shows out so huge quarterback camps to watch out for with the Saints and the Panthers and we'll see who comes out Alrighty, let's head over to some NBA stories now. Taylor Horton Tucker last night calls game. Lakers down one. He goes up for the three, cashes out with 20 seconds left, and then the Lakers win by two, 101 to 99. So Taylor Horton Tucker is really the new Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso has been absolutely trash this season, but was hitting all these big shots late last season, getting great offensive production. And that's what Taylor Horton Tucker is doing this year since Alex Caruso cannot do it this year. So Taylor Horton Tucker. Absolutely blah, ice in his veins last night. Huge win over the Knicks without LeBron James. So shout out to Taylor Horn Tucker. Alrighty, and then we get a quote here by Draymond Green, and I really kind of agree 100% here. Draymond Green on the Defensive Player of the Year award, quote, It's not very controversial because no one in the world gives a damn about defense. And I kind of agree. I don't like the Defensive Player of the Year award. That's why we haven't really been talking about it. We've been talking about MVP and six-man. But Defensive Player of the Year, defense is a team effort, folks. And I understand, you know, one, you know, guarding one-on-one, having man defense, you know, getting it down low, getting, you know, the paint down low clogged up defensively I get all that but you know switching you know having to help defenders having you know sagging off of a defender because he's a bad shooter and then you know helping on you know off ball screens and helping down low and just having that help defense it really takes all five players on the floor to be synced on what the defensive scheme is and then going out and executing it and you know knowing all the circumstances know who can shoot know who can't shoot helping defensively sagging off enough, but not too enough. So it really is a five-person it really is a five-person effort out there. It, it doesn't really matter if you have one good defender out there. Uh, that's why we really don't like the Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, it's more of a team effort, and uh, so we kind of agree with Draymond Green out here. Nobody gives, a, nobody gives a damn about defense because it's it's really just, you know, did they miss the shot at the end of the day, yes or no, and it's really not just one person single-handedly doing it. Now there are great defensive plays, you know, with the blocks and the steals. I get all that, but at the end of the day, real good defense is a team effort. That's why I want to see what your plus minuses is on the floor. If it's a blowout win, but you're only a plus three on the floor, uh, that means that you are a little bit of the problem team schematically, defensively, because we just blow them out. Everybody else is, you know, plus 12, plus 11, plus 10 on the floor, but you're plus three, so you are the hindrance on the floor. So that's how I just like to gauge defense, and that's why we haven't really been talking about defensive player of the year so much. All right, and then tonight, James Harden is back, folks. After missing five weeks with that hamstring injury, he is expected to return tonight against the Spurs. So, going to be a great one. Finally, the Nets, they've just won their last two games pretty convincingly, feeling good, getting James Harden back, working on their kind of chemistry right before the playoff start. It's going to be great for them. So, we'll see if they kind of take full advantage of James Harden. Let's see if they're instantly right back to where they were. Were when they were all on the floor for like those two games like four months ago, <laughs> so We'll see how it works out for James Harden here. But, hey, it's great news for this Nets having to kind of get that chemistry down, get that rhythm down, get your lineup set. A uh, couple games to experiment here. Can't really make it to that number one seed. As we've said, well, they are only two games back. We, they got about, you know, four games left. The 76ers just lost last night. So maybe the Nets could try to get to that number one seed, and we'll see if uh, James Harden's able to push them past it. And, uh, you know, we know James Harden was fantastic with this Nets team. He was the MVP. He would have been the MVP, honestly. If he did not get injured, he was averaging double-digit assists while getting 25 points a game, folks. That's fantastic. Facilitating the floor while still being able to score the ball when they need to, but just overall being that kind of uh, floor manager out there, and he was truly getting it done. So he should, you know, just hopefully returns back to, you know, without a stop. And we're looking at a real great Nets team out here. All right, somebody that's not going to be in the kind of final regular season stretch here is Donovan Mitchell. He's going to miss the Utah's final three games as he returns from a sprained ankle, just trying to get right for the playoffs. Hopefully he's good game one for series one here. The Jazz desperately need him back, desperately need him, or at least Mike Connolly back. One of those two players need to be back to kind of facilitate the floor because they are struggling. If it's not for Bogdanovich, nobody else is putting up points because there's nobody to facilitate the floor and get guys open um, distract the defense with Donovan Mitchell's great shooting ability as well so we'll see how he does when his first couple of games back but you know not going the same route that the Nets do with James Harden getting their chemistry right before the playoffs so Donovan Mitchell is really gonna have to make an impact as soon as he comes back and then the last word to talk about here we go Jalen Brown out for the season truly unfortunate for the Celtics team they were just getting right they just figured out their starting lineups they just figured out what was working um, after Evan Fournier came back from his injury and now Jalen Brown is out for the entire season so once again it's pretty much over for the Celtics team they have no bench they just lost last night Evan Fournier is stepping up actually really well without Jalen Brown here um, over these last like 3 or 4 games but at the end of the, at the end of the day now they have no bench folks there is no good scoring on their bench Aaron Nesmith can't get it done Peyton Pritchard can't get it done and that's really all they have off the bench now because Evan Forney has to be in the starting lineup Kemba Walker has to be in the starting lineup now because Jalen Brown is out so truly unfortunate here Celtics just got it figured out and now it's back to pieces and now it's not it's not going to be anything good now they're in the playing tournament now oh how the mighty have fallen truly Currently the 7th seed, three games back from the Knicks now. So just truly out of hand now for the Celtics team. They will be in the playing tournament. And uh, there's a chance. There's a chance. They'll have to face the Hornets' first game. Potential loss there. And then they'll have to face either the Wizards or the Pacers. We're hoping for the Wizards. And, you know, I'm going to take Russell Westbrook in that game over the Celtics, folks. I don't know about y'all, but I'm taking the Wizards. I'm, take- I'm taking that kind of workhorse ability of Russell Westbrook to the bank, folks. Alrighty, righty, those were all the stories that we needed to cover for today. So uh, let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down the games from last night, talk about them. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. And then we'll try to squeeze in the NFC North draft grades. And then also we'll try to maybe rearrange our power rankings a little bit if we have time today. Um, we've been kind of trying to do that not every day, but maybe every two days since it's the final week to really kind of get a real great gauge of who the best teams are in this league. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, For the remainder of the show. But that's our plans. Uh, So here we go. Let's talk about the NBA from last night. The Nuggets. Hornets first game up. Nuggets back on track. Fantastic. Getting the win. 117-112. Hornets were competitive. Fantastic. Trying to get prepared for that playing tournament. So an overall good, good game. We told you all to stay away from this one. The fi- the spread when we were talking about it was Nuggets minus 5.5, and, and they win by 5. So, yes, we talk about good value and what good value is, folks, but we also tell you where the bad value is. And we knew this was bad value. We told you all to stay away from it, and that's exactly what happened last night. So, once again, you know, a little bit of a pat on the back for us. Why not? All right, so here we go. The Nuggets starting lineup. Look at this. Austin Rivers gets into the starting lineup at the starting 2 guard, and... Did pretty good. He's a good defender. You know, not the best offensive player out there, but he still got it done decently. So let's talk about it here. Fakando Capazzo still at the 1. 8 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 of 7 from 3. Not the greatest. Austin Rivers, 9 points, 3 assists, 2 steals. He was a plus 12 on the floor, so not bad in a 5-point win. Uh, he went 3 of 8 from the field, though. Nothing great there. Jokic does what he does. 30 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Aaron Gordon stepped it up actually great here 17 points 6 rebounds 8 of 14 from the field this is what the Aaron Gordon we want to see you know 15-plus points, solid defense, and now we're rocking. And then Michael Porter Jr. led the team in scoring with Joe oh Man, can somebody talk about how great Michael Porter Jr. is? I mean, he's just getting no play in the media, but he's been so consistent when he needed to be, folks. This is why we're big on this Nuggets team. As soon as Jamal Murray went down, everybody's been stepping it up. Fantastic, Fakando Capazo, Joe Kik. Michael Porter Jr. have all been getting it done. And nobody's giving respect to this team, man. Truly, this is a great, fantastic team. And they don't need one player to rely on everybody to rely on the team to get it done. Celtics can't win without Jalen Brown. Um... Nets can't win without James Harden consistently against a good team. So it's just, you know, Lakers can't win without LeBron consistently. So this Nuggets team without Jamal Murray are still getting it done. So he shot them out a thousand percent. So overall, a decent job here by the starters. A great job by kind of the stars that need to step up. And then off the bench, do we get anything good? JaMichael Green, 11 points, three rebounds, two assists off the bench. Anything else? Anything else great? Paul Millsap, six points. Nothing truly great there, but just well done by the starters, able to get it done, and that's what we're looking for. Alrighty, now the Hornets now. Lamella Ball, only 5 points on 11% shooting. Really unfortunate scoring game last night. He had 7 assists and 12 rebounds, which is always great. We can always count on him for that, but those points there, we need him to score. Unfortunately, he didn't. Terry Rozier, 21 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 of 8 from 3. Not his best night. Biz McBiombo still at the 5, 4 points, 1 rebound. P.J. Washington, 13 points, 4 steals, 4 assists, 11 rebounds. But once again, shooting very poorly, 25% on 16 shots. And then Jalen McDaniels to round out the starters, 15 points on 77% shooting, getting it done. And then they got it done off the bench. Look at this Devontae Graham. Yes, sir, coming off the bench. That's why we love Devontae Graham, folks. Devontae Graham, Terry rozier they all can go for 30 points on any given night. And Devontae Graham coming off the bench, 31 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 7 of 14 from 3, getting it done. And then Cody Zeller off the bench, 15 points, 10 rebounds, playing more minutes than Biz McBiambo at that 5 position. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm big on this Hornets team. They're still getting it done. Their scores are still there. Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, need LaMelo Ball to step it up a little bit more. PJ Washington has never really thrived at that kind of four position when everybody else was kind of healthy and in the starting lineup. So we'll see if PJ Washington can kind of go back and give us these nice scoring productions that he was doing when it was kind of just him without LaMelo Ball and without either Terry Rozier or Devante Graham. So we'll see how he's doing there. And then uh, Malik Monk off the bench, also in only 17 minutes, 8 points, 3 assists, and 4 rebounds. So they have the pieces. They all just have to go and execute on a nightly basis. So we are still, you know, decently interested in this Hornets team. 8th seed here in the Eastern Conference. Trying not to fall down to that ninth seed because I do not want to see the Hornets and the Wizards face each other for first round of the playing tournament because that means one of them won't be in the playoffs. So um our ideal scenario is the Hornets at the seven and the Wizards at the eight. Um in the current playoff order of or in the fi- or in the current play in tournament order of the Celtics, Hornets, Pacers, Wizards. I'm taking the Hornets and the Wizards out of those kind of four teams. Alrighty, so the Nuggets get the win, 117-112 over the Hornets. Then we get the Timberwolves and the Pistons. Timberwolves get the win, not surprising to us. Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell still in the starting lineup. Ricky Rubio, 19 points, 5 assists. D'Angelo Russell, 15 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. He didn't shoot well. Uh, 3 of 10 from the 3 and uh, 27% on 18 shots, not great but uh, D'Angelo Russell gets it done Carl Anthony Towns, 28 points, 8 rebounds 5 assists, Anthony Edwards 22 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds getting it done, so those big players we are still getting it done, huge well, great for them, we love this Timberwolves team, this is nothing new to us And then they go out and beat the Pistons. Once again, nothing great here. Sadiq Bey um, almost led the team in scoring with 21 points. But uh, Sabian Lee off the bench led the team in scoring with 22 points on 77% shooting. So, well done to them. Anything great out here? Anything else good? Not really. So, trash Pistons team. Good Timberwolves team. Just unfortunately, the injuries plagued them all season. All right, let's move on to the Heat and the Celtics now in the Heat. Get it done. Beating the Celtics twice in the last, like, three days. Very well done, and we cashed in both times. Uh, so here we go. The Heat, Kendrick Nunn, 18 points, 7 rebounds. Duncan Robinson, 22 points, 5 of 9 from 3. Fantastic. Bam Adebayo, 22 points, 7 rebounds. Trevor Reza had a really lackluster night, and that's going to be huge in this in this kind of playoff run here that they're emerging into. We need Trevor Reza to kind of be a little bit more Consistent in the scoring department. At least 10 plus points, but uh, only 4 points on 16% shooting last night. 7 rebounds go along with that. And then Jimmy Butler, a little lackluster on him altogether. He only played 17 minutes, 13 points. 13 assists and 2 rebounds, so they were able to get it done without Jimmy Butler last night. Fantastic. Tyler Hero steps up big, led the team in scoring again. 24 points, 11 rebounds, 4 of 7 from 3. And Goran Dragic steps it up big off the bench as well, 17 points on 5 of 7 from 3. So the scores were out last night. Duncan Robinson got it done. Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic got it done off the bench. And now let's go to the Celtics. I mean, f- folks, folks, folks. The main core got it done. Kemba Walker, 36 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. Marcus Smart, 10 points, 5 assists, got it done. Uh, Jason Tatum, 33 points, 6 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 of 8 from 3, got it done. Evan Fournier, 20 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds on 4 of 7 from 3, got it done. But this is what we're talking about, folks. There is nothing else great scoring wise on the Celtics team. Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup at the 5, 2 points. Carson Edwards off the bench in 12 minutes, 2 points. Aaron Nesmith, 6 points off the bench. Grant Williams, 5 points off the bench. Peyton Pritchard, 7 points off the bench. So, there's just nobody else to get it done scoring-wise for the Celtics team. Everybody else is lackluster. Yes, we can rely on Jason Tatum. Yes, we can rely on Kemba Walker. Yes, we can kind of rely on Everett Fournier. We have to. We have no choice. But there's just nothing else solid about this Celtics team scoring-wise. And uh, we saw that last night. So... He get the win, 129-121, winning without Jimmy Butler, really, for only 17 minutes. So, absolutely fantastic. All righty, now we go to the Clippers and the Raptors, and a nice blowout win for the Clippers here over the Raptors. We knew the Raptors were done anyway. There was no way they were going to get into the playing tournament um, after they lost against um, a couple couple of days ago against the uh, Spurs. No, that's not right. Is that right? That's not right. Um, but whoever uh, was it—the the Wizards or the Pacers? Somebody. It was somebody. They lost against. Truly unfortunate. And they basically were out. <laughs> so um, definitely out now that the Clippers blew them out. 115.96. Clippers. Kawhi Leonard. 20 points. Seven rebounds. Five assists. Marcus Morris, 14 points. Zubak, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Paul George, 16 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. And then Patrick Beverly's back in the starting lineup. 0 points on 0-4 shooting. Once again, he's only out there for the defense, but it's really not that great. And then Reggie Jackson's offensive production goes down because he's not in the starting lineup anymore. I really think having Patrick Beverly in the starting lineup is a huge disservice to this Clippers team. And I'm a little upset that they went back to to Patrick Beverly back in the starting lineup. He was a plus 10 on the floor, but that was the worst plus minus of the starters. Kawhi Leonard was plus 11. Paul George was plus 27. Zubak was plus 22, but Patrick Beverly scoring zero points, only one assist, six rebounds, plus 10. I'm not really liking him in this starting lineup, so... Well, this is obviously what they're going to be sticking with. I mean, there's no reason to kind of have this lineup with everybody healthy going into the playoffs and still doing this. So uh, this could be a little bit of a red flag emerging for this Clippers team, but we'll see. And then we get Reggie Jackson off the bench. Once again, his scoring production goes down six points on 33% shooting, one of five from three. He needs to be in the starting lineup to get those good points. That's why we like Patrick Beverly off the bench because his offensive production does not change off the bench and in the starting lineup where Reggie Jackson's does. So get the points while you can and have Patrick Beverly come off the bench because there's really no difference. All right, Rondo off the bench still getting it done, 11 points, 4 assists. DeMarcus Cousins still only playing six minutes out there. I think they're just saving him for the playoffs. That's really the only kind of logical thing in my opinion. He hasn't really played any minutes. So six minutes, two points, three rebounds. Um, And then Terrence Mann off the bench, truly getting it done. 20 points off the bench on 100% shooting, seven shots, well done. So Clippers, we'll see if this Patrick Beverly uh, lineup switch is going to hurt them. I think it will, but we'll see. And then the Raptors, everybody was out. Gary Trent Jr. was still in. He only put up 9 points on 18% shooting. Took the most shots on the team, and it did not pay out. Ken Burch, 13 points, 4 rebounds. And then Chris Boucher, 16 points, 7 rebounds. So um, all their starters, Fred VanVleet, Kyle Lowry, Siakam not playing. Of course, they're going to lose. Alrighty, 76ers in the Pacers. No Joel Embiid in the Pacers. Just kind of really still fight for that playing tournament spot. So we give the Pacers a little bit of credit here, getting the win here. Good, big win. Karis Levert with the dagger a little bit. Once again, moving this kind of starting lineup around. Karis Levert at the 1, Justin Holiday at the 2, Sabonis still at the 5, Doug McDermott at the 3, and O'Shea Brissett at the 4. So Carouselvert 24 points, led the team in scoring. This is what we're going to have to see from Karis Levert. He's got to be the main scorer out here if they want a chance to really do anything in the playoffs or in the playing tournament. So, Karis Avert, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 of 9 from the 3. Not the greatest there, but everything else was good. Justin Holiday, 16 points, 3 of 6 from the 3, 5 rebounds go along with that. Sabonis, 16 points, 15 assists, 13 rebounds, triple, double for the man. What he has to do, he's got to play every position out here. O'Shea Brissett, 2 points on 0 of 6 from the field. Jeez Louise, get it together, my man. And then Doug McDermott, 20 points on 4 of 10 from the 3. So all the starters decently getting it done, and then T.J. McConnell off the bench, 10 points and six rebounds. We will take that. Um, all right, the 76ers now who did not step up big? Well, it's kind of the usual suspects a little bit. Seth Curry still at the one, Ben Simmons still at the two. We get Mike Scott filling in for Tobias or for Joel Embiid at the five. So, uh Seth Curry 10 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. He didn't take that many shots, only 4 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Ben Simmons 20 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds. Mike Scott at the five, three points, two assists, four rebounds. Nothing even close that Joel Embiid puts up. Tobias Harris, leading scorer for the squad. We know this. He's the most consistent player on this uh, 76ers team. 27 points, five rebounds, three assists. And then we get to Danny Green not stepping it up. I mean, Danny Green, please step it up, man. We need scoring to come from somewhere. Do y'all not understand that Joel Embiid gives us like 30 points a game? So you have to make up 30 points a game. So Seth Curry's 10. Danny Green, 6 on 2 of 8 from 3, is not going to get it done, folks. Thank goodness, Tobias Harris can still give us these constant productions, but unfortunate. So, 76ers lose, Uh, Dwight Howard off the bench, 4.7 rebounds, can kind of always rely on him. Shake Milton didn't play, unfortunate, so he couldn't kind of give us those great scoring productions off the bench either. Tyrese Maxey put up 11 points and 3 assists off the bench. We'll give him that in 16 minutes. Just overall, nobody's able to step up for the 76ers team. And that's where we're a little concerned on this, on this 76ers team. If Joel Embiid is not there, there is no hope for the 76ers team. Nobody else steps up. Nobody else can score 30 points a night. Um, so, unfortunate. But when they're all healthy, they're great. They're great. But uh, Joel Embiid is truly the glue. Truly the uh, truly the pinnacle of this offense. But uh, Pacers get the win. So we shout out the Pacers. They move up to the ninth seed still, potentially getting up to the eighth seed. And that would be absolutely annoying. Uh, I don't want to see the Pacers get two chances while the Hornets only get one. I don't want to see that. I think the Hornets earned it a little bit more. I think they're a little bit more exciting team overall uh, than this Pacers team. So uh, uh, Pacers are still ninth. Hornets are still eighth. But they have the same record. So Hornets just had the tiebreaker. They got to start winning some games to keep that eighth spot. Alrighty, next game up now is the Nets and the Bulls. And man, oh man, we we gave this Bulls team all of our energy, all of our good luck talking, and they went and did nothing with it. So, unfortunate loss here for the Bulls. Great win here for the Nets. We are going to move the Nets into our power rankings. We're going to remove the Mavs at number 8. Couldn't win last night, unfortunate. So, we're going to put the Nets here at number 8. And keep everything the same, uh, but I do want to get the Nets in here. They've they've won what their last two games. Very well done, getting it done, beating the Nuggets, beating the Bulls here. Looking good as a team. So let's start here with the Nets. Kyrie Irving, 13 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Bruce Brown back in the starting lineup at the 2. 15 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Very well done. Blake Griffin still at the 5. 13 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 2 of 4 from the 3. That's why we like him. That 4 those four threes. that's a sweet spot for Blake Griffin, folks, truly. Kevin Rand at the 4. 21 points on 69% shooting, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. And then Joe Harris still at the 3. 17 points. Five rebounds, two assists, getting it done. And then the bench truly stepped it up here. Nicholas Claxton, 10 points, 10 rebounds. Nicholas Claxton is going to be a huge piece, folks. Um, He honestly should be the starting big. But uh, um, having Blake Griffin... And Nicholas Claxton, having just Nicholas Claxton there, um, this is what I don't want for the Nets. I don't want for the Nets to get too in love with DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Play Nicholas Claxton, folks. He is an underrated big out here that can get it done. Ten points, ten rebounds on 71% shooting. Let's get it done. Plus five on the floor, yes sir. Jeff Green out the bench, 14 points, eight rebounds, and then Mike James off the bench as well, 11 points, six assists, seven rebounds. How great is this man been? Um, just truly getting it done for his squad. Stepping it up, off the bench. So a great night by everybody on this Nets team. A complete Nets game. We haven't really seen that in a while, and we just got it last night. So that's real great signs coming for this Nets team. That was a little dysfunctional for a couple of games against those Bucks teams. And now James Harden's back, so we'll see what they're able to do. All righty, here we go. The Bulls now. Daniel Tice did play. We knew he was kind of a game-time decision, so he did play. He's back in the starting lineup at the four. But uh, Kobe White, 16 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 4 of 11 from 3. Zach Levine, 41 points, trying to do everything to try and keep a sliver of hope in that playing tournament. Unfortunately, it doesn't pan out for them. 41 points, 3 rebounds, 6 of 11 from 3. Vucevic, 12 points, 6 assists, 12 rebounds. He didn't shoot well, 5 of 18 from the field. How are you doing that as a big? 2 of 6 from 3. So, Vucevic letting them down. Once again, Aaron Gordon and Vucevic couldn't work in Orlando. And Vucevic and Levine here in the Bulls not translating the wins again. So uh, I don't think Vucevic can really play with anybody, honestly. All righty, and then we get uh, maybe kind of in a a jazz role where it's kind of point guard, big, heavy. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, heavy offensive pace. Can't really have kind of a a big forward in Vucevic, both playing well together. I think that's where we see Vucevic's struggles. But we'll see what happens next season. We'll see if they even keep Vucevic. what's What's going to happen with that? Daniel Tice at the 4, 10.6 rebounds. He shot 2 of 2 from 3. Well done for him. And then Patrick Williams at the 3. 5 points on 2 shots. So, well done. He shot 100%. But uh, Zach Levine taking all the points, taking all the shots off the bench here. Thaddeus Young let us down big. Four points on 20% shooting, nine rebounds. He had three assists as well. Plus, he was a plus six on the floor, the highest plus minus of the team. So, once again, another reason why we do like Thaddeus Young as a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the wins to back it up, so we can't really give it to him. We have to. I really want to give it to Tim Hardaway Jr., um, but uh, Vegas does not agree with us on that one. Um, and then Laurie Mark Cannon off the bench, 11 points, 2 rebounds. I really think he should be back in the starting lineup somewhere, maybe at the 3. But um, yeah, I did not like what the Bulls did here at the kind of end of the season. Never really truly got it done. Never figured out how to win with their guys. And now here they are losing against the Nets and no longer able to get in the playing tournament. Alrighty, then the Grizzlies and the Mavericks. And the Grizzlies just absolutely blow them out. That's why we just removed the Mavericks from our power rankings at number 8. I mean, a blowout loss here. Down the stretch, not great. The Blazers overtake them now. In the fifth seed in the Western Conference. The Mavericks are now the sixth seed. Uh, potentially, potentially able to fall down to the seventh seed for the playing tournament. So we do have to, you know, keep track on that as well. If the Lakers can get out for number six, and the Mavericks fall down to number seven. But a really inexcusable loss here. Oh, uh, if it was close, that's fine. But this is a blow folks. 133 to 104, a 30-point win, basically, 29 officially. Um So here we go. Let's start with the Grizzlies. Getting it done. John Morant, 24 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Fantastic. Desmond Bain filling in for Grayson Allen at the 2. 11 points, 3 rebounds on 3 or 5 from shooting. That's basically what Grayson Allen gives us. Xavier Tillman at the 5. They had no, folks. Folks, they had no Jonas Valanciunas and they still lose. What the heck? How did the Mavericks lose with no Valanciunas? I don't get that. But Xavier Tillman at the 5, 9.6 rebounds. Not exactly what Jonas Uh, Valentunas does. Uh, Kyle Anderson, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. And Dylan Brooks, 22 points, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. He wasn't efficient, 2 of 9 from the 3, but he uh, put up 23 points, so we can definitely get behind that. And then off the bench, the Grizzlies step up absolutely huge here. And this is what we're talking about, man. This emergence of this Grizzlies bench is going to be everything. And they got it done last night. Brandon Clark, 14 points, 9 rebounds. Fantastic. John Concher, 18 points, 6 rebounds. Magnificent. And then Tyus Jones, 10 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds in only 13 minutes. Yes, sir. Truly getting it done here. So well done for the Grizzlies. They are still, unfortunately, the ninth seed in the Western Conference. They are three games above 500, which I believe is the record for the season. Uh, so we'll see if they can go out and break that for the remaining games. Potentially get up to that eighth seed. They're only a half a game back from the Warriors of number eight, folks. So maybe they can make a little bit of a run for that eighth seed, reclaim that back, have two chances for the playoffs, and we'll see what happens. But uh, currently the Grizzlies are number nine. Um, going to have to square off against the Spurs if everything stays the same. But uh, well done for the Grizzlies last night. And now let's talk about the Mavericks, man. Truly unfortunate loss here. Luka Doncic only 12 points on 25% shooting on 16 shots. Truly unfortunate there. 0-4 from the three. Five assists and five rebounds to go along with that. He was also a minus 23 on the floor. The worst plus minus on that team. Josh Richardson still at the two. Eight, nine points. Four steals, two assists, just meh. Willie Colney-Stein back at the five uh, for no Porzingis. That man can't stay healthy. You got to get rid of Porzingis. You got to move off of him. We've been hearing about rifts between Luka Doncic and Porzingis. And Luka Doncic is your future, folks, 100%. He is amazing, folks. He's only 22. Porzingis, he's damaged goods now. He gets injured every single season at the worst times. I mean, the Mavericks were good last season. Potentially able to upset the Clippers in that playoff series, but Porzingis goes down and they flounder for the rest of the series, but got to move off of Porzingis in my opinion, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Willie colney stein 16 points, eight rebounds. Actually I had a pretty good night last night. Honestly, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, two points, three assists. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. baby at the three, the leading scorer for the squad, 19 points, five rebounds, two assists on 54% shooting. Uh, so once again, Tim Hardaway Jr. for six men of the year, in my opinion. He's he's elevating his game in the starting lineup, trying to do everything he can, and he's still good off the bench when when you know that's his role. But uh, um, I like Tim Hardaway Jr. folks as Sixth Man of the Year. Obviously, as we said, I mean he, we can't even bet him on DraftKings. That's how disrespected he. <laughs> that's how disrespected he is. Um, all right, so everybody floundered here on the Mavericks. Anything good off the bench? Jalen Brunson, 15 points, three assists, three rebounds off the bench. Not bad, but uh, not good that the Mavericks lose in blah fashion. Alrighty, next game up now is the Bucks in the Magic. And the Bucks blow them out. 114-112-102. Not a huge blow. 12-point win, but still solid. Um, all right, Bucks here, Giannis. 27 points, led the team is scoring. Twelve rebounds, led the team or no, he didn't lead the team in rebounds. Bobby Portis with 15 rebounds off the bench. Yes, sir. Um yo folks, I'm big on this Bucks team. I'm excited as heck on this Bucks team. I truly think it's finally their year, man. We're gonna be rooting for Giannis in the playoffs all season long, but woohoo. I'm loving this team now. All right, Giannis, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 61% shooting from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. Once again, Giannis, please stop. Please stop. He had one good quarter a couple of games ago, and he messed with his head. Stop it, dude. Um, Chris Middleton floundered here, 11 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds, shot 20% on 15 shots, 0 of 5 from 3, yikes, yikes, maybe we spoke a little bit too soon, saying that we love this Bucks team, I mean, their 3 point shooting, they are going to need to get it done, and it was really lackluster last night, they shot 8 of 33 last night, gosh dang, um, oh my goodness, 8 of 33, gosh darn, 24%, gosh dang. All right, so, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but, hey, they were still able to overcome all of that. Everybody got good scoring production, even though they couldn't hit, you know, the three to save their lives. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 17.6 rebounds. Dante DiVincenzo, 19 points, second leading score for the squad. We'll take that. Two assists, two rebounds. And then Drew Holiday, 15 points, two steals, two assists, four rebounds. Um, once again, he didn't shoot good from three either, One of four. But then off the bench, we get the Bobby Portis, 10 points, 15 rebounds. Pat Connaughton, 3 points, 9 rebounds. They were getting all their rebounds from the missed threes. Um, And that was really it. But solid work here from really everybody. So we're about it. We're about it. Just got to get a little bit more cleaned up on the three ball. And we know that's a little bit of hit and miss for them. But when they're on, they're almost unstoppable. And now the magic now. Anything good here? Leading scorer was Cole Anthony. Gary Harris put up 14 points. Wendell Carter still at the 5, 8 points, 14 rebounds. Moritz Wagner at the 4, 17 points, 13 rebounds. Great night by him. Um, and then just nothing else great. So, Magic are trashed. We know this. All right, and then the Warriors and the Suns. And man, oh, man, another... Another reason why we were right, folks, we didn't take, no, we did take the Warriors plus five. Look at that. We knew that's great value. The Warriors always play up to their competition, folks. That's why they're always going to be dangerous in the playoffs. As long as you have Steph Curry, that leadership, that championship mentality, that winning mentality, he knows how to win. It will always come out and infect everybody else. So let's start here with the Warriors getting the win. 122-116. Once again, no Kelly Oubre Jr., folks. And, you know, this just kind of speaks to, you know, how great Andrew Wiggins is. And, you know, the media, we just heard Stephen A. Smith the other day say that he would trade Andrew Wiggins for, like, Candy, um, which is absolutely disrespectful to say. We've been saying that he's the second most consistent Warriors player on this entire team. Curry number one. You can make the argument between Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green for number two, but then the other one's number three. I mean, he is the the one of the key reasons why this team has success here. It's not Kelly Oubre Jr., folks. He does not translate. He does not really contribute to any meaningful wins. So. What are we talking about here? Another reason why y'all should be listening to Takes by Fans on the Daily. Colin Coward, please sign us. But let's talk about this Warriors team. Steph Curry, 21 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Andy he shot 1 of 11 from 3. It's so funny how, you know, whenever he hits you know those 10-3 games, those 8-3 games, those 9-3 games, everybody goes crazy on social media. But everybody's silent when he goes 1 of 11. You know what I mean? But he's still able to get it done, so, you know, we respect him. Kept Bazemore at the 2, 17 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. Kevon Looney still at the 4, 3 points, 4, oh no, he had 7 rebounds. Well done, 4 assists along with that. Draymond Green, triple-double, 11 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, a huge enforcer. He just brings this team together, folks. He's a great on-floor leader. He's a great defensive leader as well. So, uh, Draymond Green, I mean, this Warriors team gets absolutely disrespected. It's not all just Steph Curry, folks. You have to look at Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. They may not be getting it done every single game in the stats department, but they get it done on the floor of just being that leader and being consistent on what they do. All right, and then Andrew Wiggins led the team in scoring 38 points, 3 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 70% from the field, folks, on 24 shots. Fantastic. So the starters were all able to get it done. And then look at this off the bench. Jordan Poole, folks, 20 points, 4 rebounds in only 20 minutes. We will take that all day long. And let's also shout out Juan Toscano Anderson, 7 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Great night there. So, I mean, they, they get it done without Kelly Oubre Jr., folks. So, that's why he comes off the bench when he plays, when he plays, not injured. So, great performances there by everybody on the Warriors team for the win. And then for the Suns now, Chris Paul, 24 points. Devin Booker, 34 points. Um, Chris Paul also had 10 assists to go along with that. DeAndre Ayton, though, 8 points, 8 rebounds. Jay Crowder put up 20 points. Fantastic. Back in the starting lineup, 6 of 10 from 3. Yes, sir. And then McCall Bridges, 6 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 37% from the field. So the big three got it done. Scoring the ball-wise, Chris Paul, Booker, and Jay Crowder. But everybody else really floundered here. Cameron Payne off the bench, 7 points. Frank Kaminsky, 6 points, 5 rebounds. Torrey Craig, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Not bad, but overall just comes up a little short. And that's why we are a little hesitant on this Suns team. A little lackluster uh, together as a team offensively in some of their games. And that's why they lose. So I want to root for the Suns team. I want to see Chris Paul get a ring, but... They're going to need their bench a little bit better than what it's been. We need other players to step it up scoring-wise. They've got the players to do it. Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, Javon Carter, Dario Saric, Cameron... Uh, Cameron Payne and Cameron Johnson, the other Cameron. So they just need other players to step up scoring. And we've seen them floundering a little bit in their last 10 games, six and four in their last 10, because they can't keep up scoring pace of all these other teams. So we are big, big worry hesitations on this Suns team. So, you know, we were, you know, we were hesitant on the Bucks all season. Now we're we're solid on them. And we were kind of big on the Suns all season. Now we're kind of worried about them. So you gotta take the entire season um, and take, you know, week to week what's happening now, what happened then, what's the team looking like now? That's why we do this show, folks. That's why we do the show every day. That's why we break down the stats and the players every day of every single team because stuff changes on a dime, folks. We were talking about this Timberwolves team, and you know, if they had an extra kind of of, you know 15 games they definitely would be in the playoffs right now absolutely so just unfortunate with their you know health injuries and all that but things change on a dime folks teams change on a dime I think we're starting to see a slow transition of the Suns team being a little lackluster offensively and it is worrisome all righty moving on last two games let's see if we can go through these quickly Oh, yeah, sir. We have, Oh, my goodness. Kings Thunder. Do we even care? Do we even care? Kings, we, why are we even buying into you anymore? We gave you your chance. You blew it. You're no know longer even in contention for the playing tournament. Good ridden. So, anybody do good here? Uh, De'Aaron Fox is still not playing. Buddy Heal took 11 threes, 21 points. Uh, Terrence Stevens led the team in scoring off the bench, 27 points. So, nothing great here. And then for the Thunder, who's doing good? Who's doing good? We get Kenich Williams led the team in scoring with 20 points, 4 assists. Alexev Pukosovetsky 10 points 50% shooting there is basically 18 points so two trash teams Mm, Thunder are actively tanking we can see that clearly is it even working what are they where where are they right now this Thunder team is uh, 21 wins 14th seed in the Western Conference all right like third worst record so the tank is working I guess and then the last game of the night, we showed the winning, bu- well, not a buzzer beater, but we sh- we saw the winning shot at the top of the show when we were talking about the stories. But Taylor Horton Tucker shoots the three. That's the final points of the game. And it gives the Lakers a two-point win, 101-99 over the Knicks. But uh, this Knicks, this is still a good outing for this Knicks team. They all looked good. Um, just... Unfortunately, came up a little short, but their defense is truly great, folks. They can go toe to toe with the best of them. Beef down low, it doesn't matter. Uh, great scores from the outside shooting. Great beef down low. Great driving scores. Great point guards. Great centers. Great forwards. It doesn't matter. This Knicks team will always get it done defensively because it's um, Tom Thibodeau out there. He knows defense. So, all right, this Knick, uh, Let's start with the Lakers since they won. Alex Caruso still at the starting point guard position only played seven minutes though so zero points to assist two rebounds KCP, 8 points on 22% shooting. Once again, he's not really able to get it done. He had 7 assists and 7 rebounds, which is good, but overall, just eh. Andre Drummond at the 5, 16 points, 18 rebounds, finally doing something great here. Anthony Davis, 20 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, yes sir, he got it done. And then Wesley Matthews at the 3, to out the starters, 8.6 rebounds on 42% shooting. But the bench, surely got it done. Kyle Kuzma, I mean when there's no pressure on Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench, he usually gets it done. So. 23 points, led the team in scoring, three rebounds to go along with that, 52% from the field. Talon Horton-Tucker had the game winner, basically. 13 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds off the bench. Uh, and then uh, what do we got? Matros Harrell only played 4 minutes. I'm a little upset with that, but we'll let uh, Frank Vogel do his thing. And then Ben McLemore, 8 points, 2 rebounds on 3 of 7 from the field. So once again, got to see him his scoring production get up a little bit more. And Cal Kuzma off the bench is able to get it done. So Lakers pull off the close win. And then the Knicks now. Anything good here? Julius Randle, thirty-one points, five assists, eight rebounds. Um, Derrick Rose off the bench, twenty-seven points, six assists, six rebounds. He took twenty-two shots, the second most shots on the on the team. Um, RJ Barrett let us down a little bit. Eight points on 15% shooting, 0 of 7 from 3. Truly unfortunate there. Um, and then Reggie Bullock also let us down five points on 1 of 5 from the 3 and 2 of 9 from the field. So they just, you know, their problems were offense. And, you know, that's kind of fixable. We don't really see too many poor offensive. Knights by this Knicks team, but the defense kept them close, and that's what we're talking about, folks. This Knicks team, they don't need the scoring to win. They can rely on their defense and squeak out a win if they need to. So Taj Gibson, eight points, seven rebounds off the bench. And um Frank Nick... I always butcher this man's name. Uh Nikil Nikitilina. Tili Nikita... Nikita... Tili Nikita... tilly Nikilatina, 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 there it is, Nikilatina, there it is. Alright, Frank Nikilatina uh put up nine points, and two assists, two rebounds, two steals off the bench, pretty much got it done. So unfortunate just a little bit of a late loss by this Knicks team. Ends in a loss. Alrighty, let's um what do we do now? What do we do? Let's go to the NBA from tonight's game for tonight's action. I mean, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty folks. Great. Yeah, every game matters now for playoff positioning. We're pretty much set on the top 10 teams in the Eastern-Western Conference. No really, no teams are really able to kind of get it anymore. Pelicans are still three and a half games back. They're pretty much done. And the Bulls are three games back. So it's pretty much done here. We know the top 10. We just now need to know the ordering. Who's going to be the 7th, 6th seed, 8th seed? Who's going to be the ninth and 10th? Who's going to get two chances at the playoffs? Who's only going to get one? Who's going to get the 6th seed? for the guaranteed playoff spot. Who's going to get the number one, two seeds here? So we just need to know seeding now. And obviously, you know how to make some money, obviously. So this is what we have on tap tonight. Wizards-Hawks, 7 o'clock on ESPN. That's going to be a great one. Hopefully this Wizards team can win. Try to get, um, are they half, no, they're a full game. So they would need a little bit more help over this Pacers team. But, you know, hey, potential wins there. Also, they could try to, you know, get up to that eighth seed with the pay, with the uh, Hornets only being a game Above the Wizards at the eighth seed. So and then the Hawks. I mean, we just saw the Heat overtake that fourth seed. Absolutely fantastic for this Heat team last night, beating uh the Celtics. Knicks lose, and the Heat are able to le- leapfrog from six to four last night. So Hawks trying to kind of get to that fourth seed. They're only they're not even a half a game back. So they can, if they win, they will be able to move up. So huge game seeding wise for both teams here. Wizards, Hawks gonna be a great one. ESPN. Spurs, Nets, 8 o'clock, James Harden's first game back. Celtics, Cavs, Celtics need to start winning some games here, getting their confidence up. Pelicans, Mavericks, Mavericks need a win to stay above water here in the playoff tournament. Um, Blazers, Jazz, 930, ESPN, going to be a great one. Blazers want to maintain that fifth seed, don't want to drop back. The Blazers and the Mavericks can possibly flip-flop seeding here, depending on the outcomes of tonight's games. And then the Rockets and the Lakers, back-to-back games for the Lakers. Can they get it done? Once again, five, six, seven here in the Western Conference is going to be decided probably on tonight's matchups. It's going to make it a lot clearer. Lakers, Mavericks, Blazers—all within a game of each other. One of those three teams will be in the play, will be in the playing tournament. So tonight's action, man, it's going to be a great one. So let's uh, refresh these lines, get these lines up to date, and then we'll start talking about the matchups. Alrighty, <sighs> here we go. First game up, Wizards-Hawks. Wizards plus 6.5. Oh, I love it. It probably means that Bradley Beal is not going to play, but let's double check. But Wizards plus 6.5, Hawks minus 6.5, and I think I like the Wizards here. Bradley Beal is still out, not the greatest. And then for the Hawks, what do we got? Just Cam Reddish out, but a huge game for this Wizards team. We saw the Wizards keep pace their other game and only lose by a point against the Hawks. So, this Wizards team plus 6.5 is great value, but I do not really want to take this one on the back-to-back, especially since they just played each other on Monday. Usually, the second games really don't turn out the way uh, that we expect them to. We do break the rule every now and then for exceptions of great value. This Wizards team, a huge kind of game here. They really can't, like we said, they can't really fall out of the top 10 here. It would take a miracle. Um, so, eh, but they still have that chance to get up to that number eight seed. So a huge game here for the Wizards. Let's see if Russell Westbrook can get it done again by himself. We're going to stay away from betting this game, but, um, it's going to be a great one to watch and I'm glad that it is on television, ESPN tonight. So we'll stay away from Wizards Hawks. We, uh, we cashed in other, the other night when we took the Wizards plus the points. So let's not kind of push our luck here and we'll just stay away from it. All right, next game up, Spurs in the Nets. Spurs plus six, Nets minus six. All righty, James Harden is good to go here, folks, for the Nets. Uh, Kyrie Irving is also a game-time decision, though, so we'll see if he's good to go. Could you imagine they get James Harden back and then they're fully not back at full strength again? That would just be classic. Um, and then Chris Chiazza is still out there for the Nets. And then for the Spurs, just Trey Lyles is a game-time decision. So a huge game for you know both of these teams. Nets potentially to try to get back up to that number one seed. And then the Spurs, you know, they're basically locked into this 10th seed right here, three and a half games above or two and a half games above the Pelicans and two and a half games behind the Grizzlies there uh, for that 10th seed. So huge game here for the Spurs and the Nets. See who can get the win. We're probably going to stay away from this one. Did we say the spread? Spurs plus six, Nets minus six. Um, I do like the Nets to win tonight, but let's see how they're all working together with James Harden out on the floor. Can they get back to kind of their rhythm with him out on the floor? We're not worried about James Harden. Worried about everybody else fitting in around James Harden. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving a little bit more ball dominant when it was just him and Kevin Durant. You know, de- Kevin Durant still a little bit more de- ball dominant when it was just him and Kyrie Irving. Now the three back together. Let's see how they're able to adapt game one. So we'll. Stay away from Spurs Nets tonight. Alrighty, then we get the Celtics and the Cavs. Celtics minus six and a half. Cavs plus six. Ooh, Kemba Walker is out on rest. I guess you can rest against this Cavs team, but it's, I mean, there's really no need. You can't rest. You just lost. I mean, you just lost your big kind of playoff spot there. You're three games back. Almost kind of, I mean, maybe they are just kind of playing. It's almost, uh, I think it's almost impossible for the Celtics team to get up to um, the, out of the playing tournament just because they are three games back from the Knicks at that sixth seed and uh, they basically just have to win out and hope that the Knicks lose out and we know that's not really going to happen. So for the Celtics, Kemba Walker out, Marcus Marr out, Jalen Brown is out for the rest of the season, like we said, and then Robert Williams is out. So what the hell is going on? They, they're missing two key scores, so we can't even take this Celtics team minus six and a half. How unfortunate. And then for the Cavs, it doesn't matter who's in and out there, you know, we just need Darius Garland. He's out, unfortunate, so we definitely got to stay away from Cavs plus six now. Darius Garland's out, CeeDee Osmond's out, or he's, he's a game time decision. Lamar Stevens is out, but we can't even take this game. Can't trust the Cavs plus 6.5, and, and we can't trust the Celtics minus 6.5 with no scoring players on their team anymore. All righty, then we go to the Pelicans and the Mavericks. Pelicans plus 9. Mavericks minus 9. All right, all right. For the Pelicans, Steven Adams is out. Josh Hart is out. Brandon Ingram out. Lonzo Ball out. Zion Williams is out. Oh, my goodness. Their entire team is out. They know the season's over. For the Mavericks, J.J. Redick is out. Chris eppler is a game-time decision, and Tyrell Terry is a game-time decision as well. So we'll stay away from this one as well. We just saw the Mavericks lose last night. Unfortunate. This Pelicans team, their B squad, maybe can they have a backdoor cover? Potentially. we got to stay away from it. And then the last game of the night, the Blazers and the Jazz. The Blazers plus two. The Jazz minus two for the Blazers. Nasir Little is a game time decision. And then for the Jazz, Mike Connolly is out. Donovan Mitchell is out. And Juwan Morgan is out. So... You know how we feel about this Jazz team with no Donovan Mitchell or no Mike Connolly. They just have to rely on Bogdan Bogdanovich or Bogdan or Bogdanovich. Is it Bogdan? I always forget which one's the Bogdan and which one's the other one. There's two Bogdanoviches and they're both fantastic. Um, but... This Jazz team is just Bogdanovich. He puts up the points. There is no really kind of facilitator on the floor without Mike Connolly and Donovan Mitchell. Joe Ingles is not a facilitator folks. He's a great three point shooter. Don't get us wrong, but there's nobody to facilitate the floor. So it's really just Jordan Clarkson putting up 40 points because he's taking like 40 shots a game off the bench because there's nobody else to really kind of threaten the score. And then it's Bogdanovich putting up you know 25 plus points a night because he's a great shooter. So we're going to take the Blazers plus two here. I think they have a little bit more to play for, let's go to uh, the the current standings. The Blazers at the fifth seed, there's really no way they can move up to the fourth seed five games out. I don't think they got five games left. I think they got like four, three. Uh, But, you know, they can still move back to that sixth seed and potentially move back to that seventh seed. And with the Mavericks and Lakers all playing tonight, the Blazers have to win tonight. The Jazz two games lead above the Suns. Also, kind of a big game for them, but we can't trust this Jazz team anymore. This Blazers team has seemed like they've gotten it figured out. Four-game winning streak. Offense is getting it done. The starters are getting it done. Don't have to rely on the bench. In this Jazz team, I mean, folks, there's just nothing else great besides Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Can't rely on anybody to really facilitate the floor. So everybody else, you know, nobody's getting at, at, nobody's getting the entire team involved in the scoring department, and that's where they lose games. So we're gonna take the Blazers plus two tonight in a lone money maker unfortunately. No good value anywhere else so we just got to rock with the Blazers plus two. We did great last night. We're going to kind of just do one and done tonight with the Blazers plus two alrighty let's head over to our draft grades we're going to run through this very quickly because we just got to do it and we're running out of days to do it folks we got the schedule coming out and we still got two more divisions to go over in our uh, kind of draft grades by division so let's just go through these quickly we're looking at the NFC North today so let's start here with the Packers their first pick they go defense again they've got the offensive weapons I mean I know we all like to you know hear Aaron Rodgers complain about he has no weapons but I mean you got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon as running backs I mean that's a great Duo right there. Aaron Jones can get it done by himself, but it's a good duo nonetheless. You got Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Velas, Scantling, and Robert Tanyan at the tight end position. You don't need any more weapons. So, shoring up your defense and just, I mean, all these losses have just come on Aaron Rodgers not getting it done. So, they didn't need to go too heavy offensively in this draft. So, cornerback at that first pick, second pick to go center, shore up the line a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they just lost their starting center. So, um, did they? I don't know. Uh, but they do pick up another center here. Josh Myers in the third, uh, second round from Ohio State. Third round, then they go and get a wide receiver, Amari Rodgers, but he's like 5'10". I mean, so going to go with a, maybe a little bit of a more faster skill guy that can win off the line of scrimmage for the slants uh, because they got the deep threat of their wide receiver. So uh, then they go and show up their line a little bit in the fourth round again with an offensive guard. Fifth round to get uh, to, to Daryl Slayton. Defensive tackle, they get cornerback uh, in the fifth round, offensive tackle in the sixth round. So they're just shoring up their defense and line, and that's really all they need. They didn't need those big-scale positions. So we're going to give this Packers team a solid B here, really just shoring up everything they need. Um, no real home run hitters and kind of talent-wise, so we'll give the Packers a solid B. Alrighty, let's go to the Bears now, and man, oh man, what an absolutely steal here to trade up, get Justin Fields, I love this, a huge pick here, this is what the Bears needed, they just needed a competent quarterback, we couldn't trust Andy Dalton, we hated that signing, they all swallowed the pride there, and go and draft Justin Fields, he will be the week one starter, so right there, that's a huge win here in this Bears draft, they go and get uh, Tavon Jenkins, a tackle to shore up their line a little bit, Larry Brown in the fifth round, they didn't have that many picks here in this round. So, first round pick, quarterback, second round pick, tackle, that's what they needed. And then fifth round pick, they go tackle again. Sixth round, they go running back. There's no real great running backs in this draft, so we'll see if he pans out. Sixth round, they get a wide receiver, 5'10". Don't really love that in Daz Newsome. If you're going to get a late round wide receiver, go for Height. Height will always win over Skill if Skill is not there. And when we're talking about sixth and seventh round picks, Skill, it's a little lackluster. That's why they're going sixth and seventh round. So Daz Newsome here. Not the greatest pickup. Thomas Graham Jr. corner 5'10. Sixth round. And then in their last pick, Kiris Tonga, defensive tackle. So not a bad overall draft here for the for the Bears of not having that many good top picks, but um, they're very lackluster at the wide receiver position. Yeah, Allen Robinson is great, and he made Mitch Trubisky look good, so he's going to make Justin Fields look good. But besides that, you got David Montgomery at the running back. They're going to have to rely on him, and is he a 1,000-yard rusher? Oh, he did last season. So, all righty. We'll give him more respect. And they short up their line for the running game to be a little bit better. Protect Justin Fields. Their defense was the best thing about them last season because their their quarterback was absolutely trash. But you got Desmond Trufant, Eddie Jackson. You got Khalil Mack still. And we'll see what these uh, new corners do that you drafted. So, a real good draft here. Not going to call it an A- minus, but going to call it a B- plus here. That Justin Fields pick is an absolute home run hitter right there. Fantastic. Alrighty, the Vikings now. Here we go. First pick, they get offensive tackle. Then in the third round, they go Kellen Mund, uh, quarterback. So I, I, I think that's an overreach here for a quarterback like that. I, You're still going to be rocking with Kirk Cousins for another season, but you think Kellen Mund is going to be the guy after Kirk Cousins? Okay. Good luck with that. So I don't really like the quarterback there, pick in the third round. Another third round pick, they go linebacker. Another third round pick, they go guard. Another third round pick, they go defensive end. Then in the fourth round, they got three fourth round picks here: running back Kina Inungua. I mean, once again, you got Delvin Cook. I mean, what's their even second running back? Do they need another running back? What do we got? Um, Alexander Madison. What did he do last season? 400 yards, that's pretty solid for a backup of, you know, a real solid number two when you have an elite A1 tier one running back in Delvin Cook. So, um, I don't really like the quarterback pick. I don't like that running back pick. They don't really need any other offensive weapons receiver wise, but maybe just shore up that defense. I would have went heavy defense. I mean, how many defensive picks? And we just heard that, uh, you know, we heard, um, Um, Mike Zimmer at the end of the season, literally after, after the last game, he said this was the worst defense I've ever coached. And then he goes and picks one, two, three, four, five, six, six offensive picks. And one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Five defensive picks, but you did more offensive picks in the offense wasn't the problem. So I really don't like this draft by the Vikings. I think it was a huge swing and a miss, and I'm gonna call it a C minus, yo. I hate this draft by this Vikings team. Absolutely trash. You better hope these defensive players can pan out honestly. And you better hope that Patrick Peterson is not uh, too old now, honestly. <laughs> How old is he thirty four? How old is this man? 30, alrighty, so let's see if he can get back to kind of his good shape here, only 30 I thought it was a little bit older than that, but he's gonna have to, you're gonna have to rely on him heavy man, heavy, but uh, we're gonna give that Vikings draft to minus. C-. that was trash alright, and then the last team here the Detroit Lions. Alrighty. They went first round pick with Panay Sewell. Fantastic. Offensive tackle. Shore up that line. I've got no problem with that. That's kind of Dan Campbell's thinking. They're going to build from the line out. So we'll see if that works. Second round pick. They go Levy Onwuzuriki. Defensive tackle. Third round pick. They go defensive tackle again. Third round pick. They go corner. Uh, fourth round pick. They go wide receiver. How tall is this man? Six foot. Alrighty. Uh, let's check this line's depth chart. We know that they just lost Kenny Galladay. Uh, so now they got Tyrell Williams. They brought in Brashad Perryman. Hopefully he works out well. Quintez, Seferis, TJ Hawkinson. So they still really have no good wide receivers here. Um, eh, they went tackle instead of line or instead of wide receiver in that first round. And then they got a six-foot wide receiver. So hopefully he pans out, but he's a fourth-round pick. Fourth-round pick again, they go linebacker. And then their last pick in the seventh round, they go running back. Once again, why, why would the running back pick? You got DeAndre Swift. You're going to have to kind of work him in. Um you know, you, you, you kind of counted on him to be the guy last season, and he kind of got better as the season progressed. So, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of a waste of a pick here at the seventh round. We'll see if he pans out. But this Lions defense, man, uh, nothing. They got Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, Jeff Okuda, Quentin Dunbar. So, they do have a nice kind of back half of the defense. Oh, uh, yeah. That's not bad. So, Maybe would have liked to see them kind of uh, get a little bit more dangerous at the weapons, but uh, for their first draft here, for just kind of shoring up the offensive line, shoring up the defensive line, it's not bad. It's a solid strategy, and we'll see if it pans out for Dan Campbell. I don't think it is. You still need to put up points in this league, and, uh, you know, is Jared Goff is he the answer? Are your pieces the answer? I mean, we saw Jared Goff not really work too well with Robert Woods and uh, – Cooper Cup. I would say that that receiver core is better than what the Lions have currently, but uh, it's uh, you know they got they got solid they got solid in their first three picks, so we'll give them a B minus here. No blow away kind of big names here. Um, no kind of, oh my goodness, this guy instantly turns the franchise around instantly. So, And I know it's hard to do because this Lions team is just trash and they've been trash forever. So, you know, one year it's really not going to turn them around. But, you know, a solid building block here for Dan Campbell. And let's see if he's able to coach up his guys. Alrighty, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow doing it all over again, breaking down the schedule probably a little bit more in depth as it you know officially comes out uh, tonight at 8. So we're back tomorrow, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back live noon.